With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor, Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Not too bad. All by yourself? I am swell. Um, How was your weekend? You know, it was a good SoCal weekend. Very sunny. It was also Father's Day. It was. Took... First took, Father's uh, Day with baby cow. Took uh, the new dad out to a little Korean barbecue, as you do on Father's Day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I'm sure baby cow enjoyed the Korean barbecue. Yes, indeed. Um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and Korean barbecue hmm? on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Beyonce and Jay-Z's surprise new album, Dave Matthews Band's new number one album, and the unexpected death of rising rapper XXXTentacion. Uh, plus, we have got an interview with the breakthrough singer-songwriter Ella May. She stopped in to talk about her somewhat unlikely discovery, thanks to Instagram, her debut chart hit Boot Up. And how she freaked out when she heard Beyonce name-checked her single. So, stick around for that a little bit later. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode. Or, of course, you can always subscribe to us on your favorite podcast provider that is not iTunes. Hmm. Um, And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So let's hit some of the biggest headlines over on Billboard.com. And right now, there is nothing bigger than the death of rapper XXX Tentacion. Uh, it is Monday while we're taping, and uh, we found out earlier today that uh, the rapper was involved in a shooting in South Florida. And uh, then it took it took a few hours to have the news trickle out that in fact he was fatally shot on the scene. Um, he just earned his first number one album on the Billboard 200 back in March, 
Uh, the 20-year-old, whose real name is Jesse Amfroy, skyrocketed rap stardom through his songs posted on SoundCloud before legal trouble started earning him headlines that had nothing to do with music. He was awaiting trial on more than a dozen felony charges and on allegations of domestic violence against his then-pregnant girlfriend. Well, before his death, uh, he had amassed 16 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, including the top 10 single, Sad, as well as a pair of top 10 albums on the Billboard 200. His most recent release, uh, Question Mark, debuted at number one earlier this year, uh, giving him his first chart topper on the list. He, in total, he had collected nearly $4 billion on-demand streams for his catalog of songs before he died in the U.S., according to Nielsen Music. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, we've talked to him about him in the context of charts on this program before because he had such a huge album back in March, and yeah. um, he was one of those guys who, if you were a hip-hop head, you knew about him years ago, and then maybe last year you started hearing about him for all the wrong reasons, right? Um, and then obviously the music came back to the, um, you know, be the center point again uh, with his album in March. Um, obviously, controversy followed his entire career. Um, but, you know, hip hop is reacting on Twitter right now. And uh, people are definitely focusing on the music and 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 mourning the loss of the artist. Right. Um, so let's shift to a little happier news. Yeah, let's. Um, the weekend prior to this news, the weekend was dominated by uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z surprise releasing a joint album as the Carters called Everything is Love. Beyonce and Jay-Z love the element of surprise, and they kept a huge secret once again, releasing this album of nine songs on Saturday. The album initially dropped on Tidal and became available on all streaming platforms and on digital retail as well as of Monday. So, Keith, uh, what do we know? I know it's early. Uh, what do we know about where this might end up on the Billboard 200 come next week? Oh, based on their individual track records, uh, you know, Beyonce has six previous number ones on the Billboard 200, and uh, Jay-Z has 14, uh, the most among solo artists. It's safe to say the album has a pretty good chance of hitting number one. Yeah. Um, but that said, we don't know how the marketplace is going to react to the news of Tentacion's passing. Um, generally speaking, when an artist uh, dies uh, suddenly, uh, there is usually some chart reaction. Um, so uh, we shall see how uh, that is reflected on our charts uh, next week. Um, and uh, basically just stay tuned to Billboard.com and uh, we'll have forecast stories and such up probably by the time you hear this show. Indeed. And uh, another thing we'll be watching on the charts is uh, the song specifically from the the new Beyonce and Jay-Z album, called Ape Shit, which uh, got its own kind of film visual um, over the weekend. Uh, and they actually taped the, or I should say taped. It's so like, they didn't tape it. Videotaped. <laughs> yeah, they videotaped it. Um, they filmed it in the Louvre Museum in Paris. Um, they unleashed that video at the same time on Saturday. And um, the song features writing credits. Credits? Credits. Man, mm-hmm. I cannot talk. Yeah. By Offset, Pharrell, and Quavo, uh, with Pharrell assisting on production and Offset and Quavo of Migos, of course, as additional vocalists, which you can immediately hear. <laughs> it sounds like Beyonce and Jay-Z on a Migos song, <laughs> like, instantly. Yeah. Um, filmed in a deserted Louvre, among backdrops like the Mona Lisa, um, it stars the duo and a group of synchronized dancers and just backed up by, you know, world-class art. Uh, anyone who's been to the Louvre before, like, you know, you wander around and you're just stunned by everything you see. And now it's like the backdrop of this, like, luxurious 
you know, music video. Also, it's weird to see the Louvre without anyone in it. It is bizarre. Especially, like, the Mona Lisa specifically, which is typically just an absolute, you know, cattle call. Madhouse. Well, (laughs) when you're you're Jay-Z and Beyonce, you can make things happen. Anything is possible. Um, There was also a little news broken, sort of. Not really news, but, like, Jay-Z kind of vented his frustrations about a few things in the song Ape Shit. Um, in, In his lyrics, he said... I said no to the Super Bowl. You need me. I don't need you. Every night we in the end zone. Tell the NFL we in stadiums too. And then later on in his verse, he calls out the Grammys for his latest album, 444, winning no awards this year, despite being a leading nominee. Tell the Grammys to fuck that 0 for 8 shit. Have you ever seen the crowd going ape shit? So thank you, Jay-Z and Beyonce, for making me say all those words <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so, 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 that's our shitty moment with Katie. Um, well, in some non-Jay-Z and Beyonce chart news, um, let's talk about some of the charts. First up, Dave Matthews Band's Come Tomorrow album bows at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, giving the act its seventh number one. And get this. Come tomorrow is Dave Matthews Bands. Dave Matthews Bands. That's really mm, weird to that's say. That's hard to say. There's a lot of possessives and plurals in <laughs> there. Dave Matthews Bands. Okay. Come tomorrow is Dave Matthews Bands seventh straight studio album to debut at number one, making them the only group to see seven consecutive studio albums bow at number one. And believe it or not, their hot streak dates back to 1998 when before these crowded streets debuted at number one and every studio album since then has started at number one now of course in amongst all those studio albums are a bunch of live albums and a, and a, like a hits compilation which did not hit number one but if we're just looking at studio albums mm-hmm. every single one of them from 1998 forward has, has debuted at number one um over on the billboard hot 100 Drake's Nice For What bumps back to number one after Post Malone's Psycho got a week atop the chart last week. Um, Farther down the chart, uh, in the names you didn't expect to see on the Hot 100 uh, category, uh, Kids See Ghosts, which is the duo of Kanye West and Kid Cudi, brings the long-dead Louis Prima back to the Hot 100 as Fourth Dimension, featuring Prima, debuts at number 42. It's the first appearance by Prima on the list since 1961, when Wonderland by Night hit number 15. On Fourth Dimension, Prima, who passed away in 1978, has his vocals sampled from the 1936 song, What Will Santa Claus Say? (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, a week ago, George Benson, who is very much alive, uh, was back on the chart for the first time in more than 30 years, as his featured turn on Gorilla's Humility debuted at number 85 this week it uh, falls off the hot 100 but it debuts over on the alternative songs airplay chart at number 40 and on humility it's not a sample it's actually benson playing guitar and he is singing background vocals yeah and was very excited about this he loves george benson that's pretty cool yeah it's very cool um well now it is time for our interview with lma The rising singer-songwriter recently hit the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 with her debut chart hit, Booed Up, and the track has already topped the Hot R&B Songs chart. She stopped by the office to chat about how the producer Mustard discovered her on Instagram from her doing 15-second covers of songs, and how that ultimately led her to coming to Los Angeles and recording three EPs worth of music. So far, there could be more, we don't know, including the hit, Booed Up. 
She also talks about some of her inspirations and how she got super excited recently by Beyonce name-checking Boot Up in concert. So, listen to our chat with Ella May. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop, Ella May. Oh, thank you for having me. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. How are you? Good. Have you had a moment to sort of breathe recently? Because <laughs> you're a little bit busy. <laughs> no, I've had I've had a I've had a couple moments, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Boot Up has been racing up the Billboard charts lately. Yes. It's already number one on our Hot R&B Songs chart. It's top ten on yes. the All Genre Billboard Hot 100, Insanity. which which is <laughs> super. Like it went top ten like super fast. Yeah. Um, which is actually, and I, I work in charts at Billboard, it's super unusual for just like a straight up R&B track yeah. to go that high so quickly. Yeah. Usually you need like a guest rapper or yeah. like... Or a slower build. Or, or, or a slower yeah. build. Yeah. But what, it's like really blown up. What's it been like, you know, to see the success of the song happen on the charts and, you know, for you personally? Yeah, it's been, like I said, it's been pretty insane to just like even to just sit down and think about it like let alone go on twitter or go on instagram and see like all these different people listening to it and making videos to it and saying how much they love it but just like just actually thinking like you said r&b has been in such a weird place i feel like um for a couple years maybe even more than a couple years um so to have a like a just a soul soul r&b song um with like you said with no feature like we were told that in order to get to number one, you need like you need to have a rapper on it because that you, means Urban will play it and hit the hip hop radio stations will play it. Generally, you do. Yeah, I mean, and there's then, a reason why people say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be honest, when they when I was told that, I was like, yeah, well, that's like that's the norm. Okay. Um. So yeah. So I was I was in this that same boat, but like we just went number one at Urban Radio the other day as well with no feature. So it's been like all of the different things that are happening with the one song. It's just been really crazy, but like amazing at the same time so it's been like I always say this is the stuff that you dream about like I've dreamed about like having the number one and and being on the bill even to be on the billboard top 100 like when we debuted I was like wow this is something so to now be in the top 10 um with no like you know no big feature like we said um and Mustard's tag is not even on the song so it's like it's just solely like me yeah it's been yeah it's been amazing and the song is like I want to say it's like more than a year old, it right? Is, it came yeah. out like a year ago? Or? It came out February 2017, so over a year. Yeah. Are, are you just like, see people? Like, what it, What took you so long? Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, sometimes it happens with a, with a new artist, um, or, you know, I mean, new to us on mm-hmm. the charts. Um, you know, that breakthrough single sometimes takes a minute to catch on. Yeah. Um, and we were interviewing Lauv recently, mm-hmm. and his song has been out for like more than a year. He's just like, I haven't tired of it, and I love the people that are just dis- discovering it for the first time. Yeah. Is it exciting to you still now to see a song that you think might be a little bit old to reach people that maybe had never heard of you until like the past 100, week? 100%, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think, I always say as well, I don't think the timing of it matters. Like, even if, if the song came out yesterday or if the song came out five years ago, the fact that it's doing what it's doing, it, like, it, it feels the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though it's been out for over a year, um, I still love it as much as I did when it came out. And now to have other people appreciate it as much as I do just makes it that much better. So I kind of, like, I'm happy that it's had this kind of, like, rever- rebirth, sorry, because when I first put it out... Um, like my the people who already knew about me and were listening to my EPs and stuff um, before then obviously heard the song and I was on tour at the time and it wasn't even in my set 
and mm-hmm. I kept pe- people kept coming up to me and be like, "Why is Boot Up not in your set? Why is Boot Up not in your set?" But mm. because I had just put it out, I, I thought maybe it was too new to mm. perform. Um, so as the tour went on, I was like, "Okay, I kind of have to put it in my set because everyone was literally like, "Why is Boot Up not in your set?" <laughs> like it was a request. Um, so I put it in my set, and that was the song that I would come out to. Um, and slowly, as time went on, I, I like I could feel it building like more and more people each time. And then I came off tour. Um, and it was still just kind of like living mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this whole like thing of it just kind of like the whole rebirth and radio playing it and stuff like that so even though it's over a year old it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like oh my god why are you guys singing this like it's too old like <laughs> it's still as exciting as it was if, if I put it out a month ago so yeah amazing and it's such fun uh, wordplay with yes. like the way it's a little heartbeat with mm-hmm. boot up like how did that come about Who who came up with that and was it like an aha moment when it happened yeah the it's funny because um the way like the the heartbeat bidi dadu boot up it, it's kind of like <laughs> it's not obviously bidi dadu is not i had someone tweet me like if that's really how your heart um sounds then you have an issue um but yeah it was just like yeah it was a clever we wanted to make the song really fun um which i th- i think we succeeded in yeah um and we wanted to make it just like an innocent puppy love it's clean there's no like cursing in it or anything so every age can kind of appreciate that mm-hmm. um but yeah it was just it kind of was like our home aha, aha moment sorry um and yeah it was just like we just wanted to have fun and and um i was actually named after ella fitzgerald who's obviously one of the biggest jazz singers um so the bd dadu is also it can also be considered scatting as well so oh, yeah yeah um yeah Wait, so I'm wondering what came first, the title of the song, or did you first like write the lyrics and think, oh, that's, that kind of sounds that like sound that we just made there sounds like booed up. <laughs> yeah, like what I, came first? The I never really pick a title before I write a song. Hmm. Um, it yeah, I think that kind of boxes you in hmm. to like, okay, I have to I have to hit the, these words right. on on the head type of thing. So I I normally go with like melodies first, and then I'll, I'll normally have a concept, but I won't necessarily have a title. Um, so yeah, we, we, we did the, the melodies and the, the concept of it first, but not, um, I didn't write like, okay, this song's going to be called Boot Up and mm-hmm. we're going to figure it out however, however we did. No, it's just, it just works on so many levels. Cause like, you know, when you listen to it repeatedly, I'm like, someone could think this is like booted up. Like I'm booting up a computer, but not really. <laughs> or you could think it's gibberish and just yeah, like, totally gibberish. Yeah. To yeah. Your point. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Mustard, of course, I mean, a lot of people know this story. Mustard found you on Instagram. Yes. Um, when you were doing your 15 second cover snippets um was it literally him like sliding into your dms me like hey you're amazing and you're like is this really dj mustard (laughs) that was exactly that was exactly it i was just on instagram one day and he sent me a dm and was kind of just like what's your situation um and I definitely had to like go on his page and make sure that he had the verified tip because yeah. I was like, this could be anyone. <laughs> this could be totally was, weird. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely him. Um, and at that point, because I was solely doing Instagram videos, like I didn't, I wasn't, they were put on YouTube by I think other people, but I was actually only uploading to Instagram. Um, I saw you got smart though. Halfway through those Instagrams, you started putting your my, tag yeah. like, across it. So in case someone took it and put it on yeah. YouTube, people would know where to go to find yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> um, so... 
I would have all these random people in my uh, direct messages saying like, oh, I want to work with him, blah, blah. And, and a lot of it, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know who was who. Right. So when DJ Mustard came um, into my DMs and I went on his page and he had the verified tick and I was like, okay, this is actually him. Right. Um, I had to like take a minute to be like, wow, okay, this is happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was just asking me what my situation was. And at the time I really didn't have a situation. I was literally just singing in my bedroom. Uh, I worked in retail. I went to school for music, but um, I didn't have like any management or anything like that. Where, so, where did you work at retail? Were you in London? Yeah, uh, I worked in Innovator, which is like a hair and skin, mm-hmm. natural oh. hair and skincare company. Yeah. Um, so I was that was my part time job on the weekends, and I went to school in, during the week. So um, I was I literally said that to him. I was like, I don't have a situation because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I didn't want it to be like, okay, well, if I say I have no situation, he's gonna be like, okay, forget oh, yeah. it. Then like, it's, that's too much work. Right. Or, but I didn't also want to be like, yeah, hit my manager, and it would have been me. Type in the email, yeah. so change was, your voice yeah. on the <laughs> So I kind of was just like, oh, I don't really have a situation right now. Um, just you know, like I just love to sing, kind of thing. And um, he took it well, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was just um, saying to me like he was interested in working with me, and um, that was it. It was quite a, like a short conversation. He just wanted to know where I was in the world because when I sing, you can't really hear that I'm English. My accent kind of disappeared. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize that until yeah. I was listening to your EP and then there was the interludes. I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness, yeah. she's not American. <laughs> yeah, so he he, like, he was just trying to find out a little bit more about me. And then the conversation kind of stopped. And then maybe a month later after that conversation, uh, I was in New York and he was in Philadelphia for Made in America Festival. And he saw that I was in New York. I think I must have posted something with the location. And... Um, he was like, "Oh, I'm in Philly. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna drive to New York. Are you free on Friday to do a studio session?" And I was just like, "Even if I wasn't, I will be there. Yeah. Like, this is not an opportunity that you miss." Um, and like I said, I didn't have management, so I took two of my friends with me um, and just kind of like went on a whim. Didn't wow. know what to expect. Was like super. I wouldn't say I was nervous, but I say apprehensive because yeah, I was just like didn't know how he would be he could have been super rude he could have been like yeah you know so but I got there and he was super chilled he was like I didn't feel pressured at all he wasn't he kind of just played me a whole bunch of beats um from a folder that he had that and he was just like pick whatever you want and kind of just I think he just wanted to see my process and wanted to see how I worked so he just let me be and was just like watching what I was doing but not like over my shoulder wow um and we made three songs that night and from there, he was just like, oh, I want to get you out to L.A. And I'd never been to L.A. So I was like, OK, like, <laughs> I still didn't have management. Like it was all such a new experience mm-hmm. to me that I was like, when I first came, I brought my brother because my, my, I have an older brother. So my mom was like, take your brother. So it's you like, know, take you someone have... with you. Yeah. So you're not just like roaming around by yourself right. with this random <laughs> DJ mustard. <laughs> so we came um, in the end of 2015 and the beginning of 2016 I was back and forth from London to here just recording like the first time I came to LA I didn't see any of LA I was just in the studio all week with Mustard and we were kind of just figuring stuff out and we didn't even have a a plan so much of like oh let's make EPs we were just recording at that point like signing to him was, wasn't even in the conversation um, until probably about seven eight months later like into 2016 and he was like i want to sign you blah, blah. and it worked so well we genuinely got along and the music made sense so that's when i signed to him wow that's great yeah um well boot up is of course featured on your ep uh yes. ready yes 
Um, and the set has a bit of like kind of like a retro vibe, but it's still very contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were going into sort of making the set of songs that are on the EP, were you thinking that consciously if that you kind of wanted throwback like a throwback ish? Because I mean, some of the beats kind of have like a like a throwback vibe, but mm-hmm. it's still very modern at the same time. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't. We didn't. We definitely didn't do it. Um, but I think it was definitely a subconscious thing. Hmm. I think just from us. Um, in those weeks that I was back and forth to LA, that's when I made my three EPs. So we never had like, okay, this is time, this is changing, this is ready. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were kind of, we were just making songs. And then at the end of it, we put it all together. Um, so we never kind, we never sat down and was like, right, this needs to feel nostalgic or anything like that. It hmm. just was what happened when we made music together. And I think that's why I was so happy to sign to him because I'm a very big fan of like 90s and 2000s, early 2000s R&B. Um, and I think that's where that comes in on my end because I grew up listening to that. So my influences were very heavily 90s R&B and 2000s R&B. Um, and then obviously Mustard... Uh, and then I'm obviously of this generation, so I have the contemporary in me naturally, I feel like, because of what we hear now. Um, and Mustard being the same because he's not that much older than me. So um, Yeah, I don't think he's... I'm like, he's not ancient. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Although he's been... Like, a lot of people don't realize how young he is because he's been in the industry yeah, for a while. Yeah, because he's had so many right. hits. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it w- definitely wasn't a conscious decision. It just kind of happened. And wow. that's that. I think that's why I love to make music because I never really like to put uh, a label on it. Like, right, this is going to be R&B. This is going to be contemporary. We just do. And it <laughs> luckily comes out and people like it <laughs> yeah, yeah totally and one of the things that kind of makes it feel really cohesive is the way you talk through mm-hmm. all these tracks um you know these spoken word interludes how did that kind of come about did you was it to have like a through line through the songs or was it the, did the songs feel conversational to you like how did that come about it was a bit of both actually um i'm I love to tell a story, so like I can sit here and talk for ages and tell you a story. <laughs> the, the, um, people, the people in this room that are minding you would be like, uh, we have to go yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I definitely like to tell a story. So I wanted to have something that, although I feel like the songs are pretty straightforward story-wise, like you can get what I'm saying, I wanted to kind of had, have the in-betweens to have each song go into each other, like mm. flow a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I wanted like you said when you were listening to it you didn't realise until you heard me speak that I was English I wanted to make sure that people also knew where I was from Mm. since you can't hear it when I sing Um, so it was a bit of both like making sure everything flows um, telling the story a little bit better um, and obviously hearing my accent so yeah it kind of introduces you personally yeah Yeah. Yeah, to the listener Um, you you mentioned um, a little earlier how you're you know you're kind of of the sort of late 90s early 2000s in terms of sort of your like what you like or your your mm-hmm. early influences mm-hmm. who are some of the folks that influenced you like are those people like can we name check those people that are from the late 90s can i guess like who who yeah, might guess. they be oh i want you to guess well i think Who's you were lauren hell well, i'm <laughs> lauren, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> she's number one uh brandy because you were tweeting about brandy recently yes because it was 20 years of never say never it's um we were uh there was something that was there was a meme going around saying like the number one song when you turned 14 is usually a song that that kind of like has a lot of meaning to you mm-hmm. and i was looking i was like oh when you turn 14 because i think you were born in uh uh 94 yeah <laughs> so that would make 1998 right wait no that would be 2000 oh my goodness you're eight. Eight. Yeah, eight years old yeah. wow <laughs> well then i'm just wrong well, be 2008. but yeah 2008 what was be... 2008 uh, i'm gonna beyonce for sure i want to say it was yeah. was jojo oh yeah well, the era oh. jojo i'm a huge jojo fan as well. I think that like was too the little era. too late. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think sure. that was the era of JoJo. So, yeah. 
But yeah, it would be the Lauren Hill is number one, but the Brandy, Aaliyah, mm. Beyonce, of course, Destiny's Child, um, Alicia Keys. I'm a huge Alicia Keys fan. Um, do you play piano, by the way? I do. You know what? I actually started in year seven, seventh grade. I started to play piano because I wanted to be like Alicia Keys, so I'd braid my hair and like I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna learn it. But I have like very little patience and I get really frustrated easily so Mm. I wasn't picking it up the way I wanted to Mm. so I stopped my lessons but I have recently decided that I'm gonna teach myself again or at least get lessons because I think it's it it helps definitely when you're making music Um, but yeah er any and everyone to 1990s R&B or 2000s R&B or even just like I'm I'm a huge Christina Aguilera fan too who's like infused in all these different genres oh yeah totally yeah there's, you can actually, I, I noted this on our notes here, on the last track on the album, on the EP, it's called Anywhere. And when I heard anymore. it... Oh, Anymore. I'm yeah. so sorry. And, okay. <laughs> and, and here's where I'm going to gush about the song. And you're like, yeah, you got the wrong title. <laughs> okay. um, uh, when I heard it, I actually felt like I was hearing like sort of echoes of Beyonce, the way she phrases certain wow. songs. And, Thank you so much. Um, That's a huge compliment. The kind of the warmth in your voice in that particular track. I was like, this is kind of has echoes of Beyonce thank like, you so much I hope I was like I don't want you I don't want sometimes people don't like the idea of like oh you you remind me of this other person but oh like, no since she kind of influenced you I'm like woo. That's, that's a huge like to be for somebody to say it reminded them of Beyonce I don't think anyone would not like that but it was still very <laughs> right. new it was still yeah. a very no, new track thank you and speaking of Beyonce I actually got word the other day because you know she's on tour right now that she wants that to collaborate she, oh well <laughs> I would die literally but she before she goes in like I don't know if she said it once I think um, before she went into Bonnie and Clyde and she was like oh who in here uh, is booed up or something like that and I was oh. like oh my yeah I yeah, I died <laughs> she spoke your words yeah so I, I was like wait does Beyonce know this song like I was she clearly must yeah, clearly does yeah it's crazy it's really crazy like yeah Oy. crazy Oy. that feels like a perfect <laughs> note to uh end on like yeah. beyonce knows your song yeah. you have made it yeah um thank you so much for coming in today this was awesome and, and good luck with the the song and, and all your future music thank you thank you for having me of course thank you so much to the quite lovely lma for stopping by it's always fun to talk to someone who's like at that point in their career where they're about to just completely skyrocket. Yeah. Um, she was so sweet. Very humble. And that song is amazing. That song is amazing. It's very good. If you haven't heard it yet, I mean, you've obviously heard it now because you played a little bit for you. <laughs> but um, but the, the EP is quite good. Go check mm-hmm. out the EP. And um, it makes me interested to hear everything else from her and what she has in store for us. Totally. So, much success to you in the future, Miss LMA. And now it's time for the Charts Dead of the Week. 40 years ago this week, Andy Gibbs' Shadow Dancing hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, marking Gibbs' third consecutive number one on the chart, following Love is Thicker Than Water and I Just Want to Be Your Everything. Love is Thicker Than Water. (laughs) Is that what I said? Yeah, I just am like, that's not the phrase, and I've never heard that song title before, so I'm just like, that's an interesting turn of phrase. Um, <laughs> yeah, love is thicker than water. <laughs> I suppose it is. Um, uh, t- tell the audience what the actual phrase is supposed to be. Blood is thicker than water. Hence why, you know. But it, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, notably, um, actually, uh, let me back up just a second. Shadow Dancing actually topped the chart dated June 17th, 1978, and spent seven weeks atop the list. Notably, 
all three of those songs were either written or co-written by Andy's big brother, Barry Gibb, of, of course, the Bee Gees. Uh, The brotherly trio was comprised of Andy's three older brothers, Barry, Morris, and Robin. Uh, Fun fact, the Gibbs were so big in 1978 that of the 20 songs that were number one that year, seven of them were either performed or written by one of the brothers Gibb. There were three number ones by the Bee Gees, two by Andy Gibb, because one of his three actually happened the previous year. You had Yvonne Elements, If I Can't Have You, which was written by the Bee Gees, and Frankie Valli's Grease, which was written and produced by Barry Gibb. So there you have it this week. Back in 1978, Andy Gibb ruled the Hot 100 with shadow dancing, helping cement the Brothers Gibbs' dominance on the pop charts. All right. We have reached the end of our show. (laughs) And uh, I just realized that at the tail end of my script, I have someone's FedEx printout. Oh, shoot. I need to go give that back to someone. take that back to them. (laughs) That's not part of our show. Oops, printer theft. Um, What song should we go out on, Katie? Well, it feels like a very Beyonce show, you know, given our news and then LMA's Beyonce shout out. So maybe some Beyonce, maybe some old school Beyonce. Oh, which old school Beyonce oh, should man. it be? I have a million favorites. It's not very old, but one of my absolute favorite Beyonce songs is Countdown. Countdown? Yes. Let's, let's count down to the countdown. Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.